So today I'd like to continue uh, the theme from yesterday. So sometimes we think, well, we did Thanksgiving and gratitude yesterday, so we have to wait for another 364 days. <laughs> but for me, it's a really uh, important practice and an attitude of mind to maintain, uh, especially as we go back to our lives and families and work and uh, whatever else you're going back to. I know I took some time off this summer. I I had a sabbatical from work to focus on some writing. And uh, I didn't, I wrote about three words the whole time. Uh, It wasn't the most successful writing sabbatical. But what it really, what it made me appreciate was um, the things that I stopped doing, which was teaching and uh, working with people and uh, being at Spirit Rock. and uh, So sometimes it's the very absence of things that makes us appreciate, whether it's an absence of health, or an absence of love, or an absence of connection. Uh, when things are taken away from us, we, we suddenly f- realize how grateful we are for our health, or our body's vitality, or friendships, or love. The Buddha spoke of gratitude. He said it's one of the highest protections for the mind against negativity. And I like to think of it like a Brahma-vihara. So the Brahma-vihara is what the Buddha called divine abodes, love, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity. And if I had my druthers, we'd have six. We'd have uh, gratitude as the fifth and generosity as the sixth because they all feel like beautiful qualities, beautiful states of mind and heart which we can uh, know in ourselves and we can cultivate, we can develop them to a really full, beautiful capacity. So one of the things I want to speak to today is how it affects our perception. And our perception is so key to how we see the world and how we experience well-being or not. I was driving down to a course down in Big Sur and I stopped off at a beach on the way and there was a man, uh, looked like he was living out of his van. Um, this is um, not long after the, the last economic crash when a lot of people were made homeless and I don't know if that he was in that camp or not but um, his van was piled full of stuff and and uh, I parked our vehicles were next to each other and I just leaned over and said, hey, how's it going? How are you today? And he said, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Just like that. I thought, how cool. Here's a guy living out of his van with very little to his name, as far as I could tell, and he's feeling blessed. So what would it be to feel blessed with whatever our circumstances are? So the Buddha, as we've mentioned, talked about inclining the mind. Whatever the mind frequently dwells and ponders upon, that becomes the inclination of the mind. I take this as as uh, one of the key things in my practice. Whatever the mind frequently dwells and ponders upon, that becomes the inclination of our mind. To know 
where we incline. Where do you incline your intention? Towards scarcity, towards wholeness, towards love, towards fear, towards anxiety, towards presence, towards nature. Where do you mostly incline? You've, had, you've taken a good look this week. You get to see, especially when you first arrive, you see where you've been inclining because that's what you carry on doing the first few days. Restlessness, planning, busyness, thinking, 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 getting, achieving, wanting, grasping. Right? We, we incline to those really well. We've got PhDs in thinking and grasping. So in our retreat, we get to re-examine, well, what else is, is possible? Where else can I reorient my attention? William Blake said, the tree which moves some to tears of joy is in the eye of others a green thing that stands in the way. As a man is, so he sees. This is a poem from Anna Akhmatova, which expresses this, I think, beautifully well. Everything is plundered, betrayed, sold. Death's great black wing scrapes the air. Misery gnaws to the bone. Then why do we not despair? By day from the surrounding woods, cherries blow summer into town. At night, the deep transparent skies glitter with new galaxies. And the miraculous comes so close to the ruined, dirty houses, something not known to anyone at all, but wild in our breast for centuries. So I love that juxtaposition. Misery gnaws to the bone. Death's great black wing scrapes the air. So these things are present, yet cherries blow summer into town. Cherries blow summer into town. The miraculous comes so close to the ruined, dirty houses. So, you know, that poem's expressing, where, where, what do we see? Do we see all of it? Do we see part of it? Do we fixate on what's wrong with our economy or our government or your body or the schedule or the food or your relationship? Or what's, what's here? What's a blessing? What's to be appreciated? So how would you answer that? Does your mind orient more towards scarcity? Towards deficiency? Towards not enough? Does it see what's already whole in yourself? What's fine just as it is? What has a certain perfect imperfection or imperfectly perfect? So what I found for me is that when I orient towards appreciation and gratitude, acknowledging what's already here, it shifts my mind away from that sense of deficiency, sense of there's always something missing, there's always something lacking. This is uh, some words from attributed to Lao Tzu. Always we hope someone else has the answer. Some other place will be better, and it will all turn out. This is it. No one else has the answer. No other place will be better, and it has already turned out. <laughs> That's a shocker. It has already turned out. 
What do you mean, this is it? <laughs> this is it? <laughs> I think I was sharing this with a group the other day. And my teacher in India, Punjaji, used to say, oh, this is it. This is it. What are you waiting for? What are you looking for? This is it. It's right here. And sometimes, depending on my mood, it would be like, wow, this is it. Really? This is it? We're already here? How cool. <laughs> and other times, it'd be like, oh, really? This smoky, polluted North Indian industrial city, that's, this is it? Really? It's not some celestial, beautiful realm of lights and colors and bliss and ecstasy. This is it. It has already turned out. No other place will be better than this just right here. There's uh, the, the Cafe Gratitude um, has a wonderful book on gratitude. Those who are interested in the subject, I highly recommend it. And uh, one of the stories from there, the, one of the owners, founders, uh, was living in the city and got a parking ticket. And I don't know about you, when I get a parking ticket, my first response is not generally abundance, <laughs> but more, you know, oh shit, why me? Uh, yeah, and the money s- scarcity stuff or anger, frustration. And so the same thing happened to him. And he took a moment and said, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm going to give this money to the city and it's going to pay for helping run the, the city government and schools and, you know, and we know that the city needs the money, so, here we, so take it. And so it helped him transform his mind. And I do that now when I get parking t- tickets, which I do frequently. I just go, well, I guess it was time to donate to San Rafael, you know, local municipality or San Francisco. And, and it feels very different. It feels like, oh, I'm just supporting, you know, this is going to go maybe buy some school books or something. <laughs> so I'm wondering, as you've been here on retreat, where, you, where your mind's been tipping in terms of that balance. What's the perceptual bias towards what's not enough? what's abundant, how much you're given to or not. Do you focus on what's not here? You know, so the, the ego lives in scarcity and lack and deficiency and what's wrong and problem-seeking mind, right? You're familiar with those things. So often we come to retreat and we overlook all the things that we've been longing for like peace, tranquility, silence, community, because there's no coffee, and there's no bacon and steak, and there's no music and cell phone reception and Facebook, you know. So, so, and so our mind fixates on the lack. Even and we f- we forget. Oh yeah, and we look around. Oh look, there's, there's beauty, there's nature, there's all these things I was craving that I don't even see because I'm not getting what I want. Grasping mind, as we know, is very as tunnel vision. So I was biking the other day uh, down in Samuel P. Taylor, which is uh, some woods just uh, down the road, down Francis Drake. And uh, it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible uh, road. It's probably the worst road I ever ride on. And it's dangerous because there's a lot of big potholes and grooves. Your tires get stuck. And um, so finally they fixed it after years and years and years of people you know, campaigning to get it fixed because it was dangerous. So um, 
so and it's a joy to ride on because it's through these beautiful redwoods and it was smooth and I was enjoying the ride and I was feeling so much gratitude that they'd finally fixed the road. And then I was noticing that there was uh, very little shoulder for the bikes. <laughs> so my mind started fixating on what's, 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 what's up with the shoulder? How come they didn't do a wider thing? And immediately the mind was in scarcity and problem seeking, writing to whoever I'd write to. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> enjoy the road. Enjoy the beauty. And enjoy what you have. So it takes a certain vigilance, as with many things in the mind, to notice where it's inclining, to notice what we look for, what we seek for, what we perceive. So today, you know, I hate to break it to you, but today is, um, it's a big shopping day you're missing out on. <laughs> Black Friday, you know, it's, it's all happening out there. It's a, it's a big event. <laughs> all those bargains... They've now created lots of apps so you can find out exactly where the parking space is and which shop has the thing cheaper. And so you can be lucky that you're actually missing all that stuff. But you know, the, the, the cultural drive here, the cultural pressure to consume, to, 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 to buy into that sense of deficiency is really powerful. Yeah, so our mind, our mind is you know, conditioned by so many things. It's, especially the culture. So we can have compassion for that inclination. You know, it's, it's just so easy to fall into the trap of what's not here, what's not enough in me, in the retreat. And so what's not enough story do you buy into for yourself? Money, time, love, relationships, friendship, success, fame, Meditation attainments. I don't have enough meditation depth. Don't have enough compassion. Don't have enough spiritual experiences. So, since it's Black Friday, I'll read you uh, my favorite um, advertising rag on meditation. So, there's a guy, this is in Outside Magazine, so outdoorsy magazine and there's a guy meditating like this which they always do in the ads which is very uncomfortable if you've tried that for longer than (laughs) about two minutes and he's sitting with all his gear he's got his bike and his kayak and his scuba and his skis and his computer and golf clubs and surfboard and dog and truck and it says Spence has put a new twist on an old philosophy to be one with everything he says you've got to have one of everything That's why he also has a new Ford Ranger. So he can seek wisdom on a mountaintop, take off in hot pursuit of enlightenment, and connect with Mother Earth by looking no further than into the planet's coolest four-door compact pickup. (laughs) He says it gives him easy access to inner peace, which makes him one happy soul. So you too can buy the Ranger four-door super cab Toyota pickup. And that will all be solved. All that meditation struggle, over. (laughs) Easy access to inner peace. Lao Tzu also said, he who knows that enough is enough will always have enough. He who knows when enough is enough will always have enough. 
Robert Quillen wrote, if you count all your assets, you will always show a profit. If you count all of your assets. So, where do we start with the gratitude practice? Where do we start with the appreciation of what's already here rather than what's not? How do we orient away from the grasping, seeking mind? That's what Joseph Campbell had to say. He said, we're so engaged in doing things to achieve purposes of outer value that we forget the inner value, the rapture that is associated with being alive is what it's all about. And I think about this quote a lot here because what we're doing here is really just simply coming home to ourselves and being. Being human, being simple, not doing anything particularly, not trying to get anywhere except here. <laughs> and enjoying the, the exquisite simplicity of that. You know, and I particularly notice this in walking meditation. You know, it's very simple, ordinary, mundane activity. And it can be so profoundly satisfying and complete in a certain way. Just a step and a step. I know people, you've been talking about this some. Not every step, by any means. But just, oh yeah, just stepping. Just sipping a glass of water. Just sitting down, feeling the cool autumnal air. Starting here. So, and then to reflect on the things that we're given to all the time that we don't even notice. We're given, we're, we're given to so much. Our assets are so much. The light, water, clean water, the air to breathe, clean air, sunlight, warmth, safety, relative safety, gravity. Imagine a drag it would be to come in here without gravity. Come down. So, and to, to take some time to appreciate our body, which again, we look through the lens, we look through a perceptual lens of, uh, of what? Of critique, of uh, not enoughness, Be hard to be here without our body. Be hard to meditate. Be hard to wake up. And the body is an amazing thing, as we've been speaking to in different ways. The trillions and trillions of cells. We have five, we have a trillion cells in the body, whatever that looks like. It's a lot. <laughs> and there's apparently five quintillion operations within a cellular structure every second. That means you're kind of busy inside. But the body's an amazing thing. I love to watch how the body heals. I often cut myself and bruise myself, and the body just heals by itself. Amazing. Knows what to do. Knows how to pump blood and take in oxygen and digest all this tofu and uh, lettuce and turn it into cells and blood. And the last, this current sentence you're going to the body will lose 50,000 red blood cells but don't worry because in the next sentence the body's creating 50,000 new ones that's a lot of production right there it's your body's GDP is very healthy hopefully 
So often I think the, the, we overlook appreciation and gratitude because we try and make it too complicated. And it's really very simple. Appreciating, and mindfulness is, is a wonderful support for that because it slows us down enough to see and to appreciate a breath or a footstep or a drink of water. This is a poem from Mary Oliver who speaks to this so beautifully. A blackwater pond, the tossed waters have settled after a night of rain. I dip my cupped hands. I drink a long time. It tastes like stone, like leaves, like fire. It falls cold into my body, waking the bones. I hear them deep inside me whispering, Oh, what is that beautiful thing that just happened? What is that beautiful thing that just happened? She drank some water, right? But she drank it with a sense of reverence and a sense of wonder. In that poem I read the other day about learning to be astonished, my life, my work is learning to be astonished. You know, another poem she writes, I was, at the end of, at the end of my life, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. And when we, when we walk down the hill and, you know, the, the mornings here I find spectacular, the light on the grasses and the dew and, you know, how could we not be in amazement and wonder if we're awake? And there's a bumper stickers that you see, if you're not enraged, you're not paying attention, I want to have one that's, if you're not in wonder, if you're not in amazement, you're not paying attention because it's amazing this world, it's a mystery. And these senses that we have that just function by themselves, we, our eyes, just the, the, the beauty that we, our eyes can behold, the colors and lights and form, the, the sounds that we hear, you know, all happening effortlessly, the, the frogs and the bird song and the crickets and music. All the smells, the smells from the, from the rain, the woods, the, the lovely, damp, earthy smell that we had after the rainfalls. Very simple pleasures. Again, we have to slow down. We have to come out of our heads. We have to be in our bodies, be in our senses. We have to slow down enough to appreciate, to, to sense them, to feel them. And then life is, you know, there's a continual blessing. So another aspect of the gratitude practice that I like is that when we do it as a reflective practice, it expands our sense of our world from our limited sense of me separate from everything else to, oh, my life is so incredibly connected in ways seen and unseen. So um, if you just think about the, the, the lunch that we had and, and all the life and people and creatures and that went into that, you know, the farmers and the people making the rice noodles and the, I forget what we had, but we had you know, people growing mushrooms and, um, you know, important growing olive, olive, olive trees in where Mexico or Italy and, uh, you know, we could go around and we could you know, break down the contents of the food and it would take us halfway around the globe, I'm sure. Hopefully it's more local, but you know, most likely it's from halfway around the world. Um, or just think about the clothes you're wearing. 
Yeah, you know, where do your clothes come from? They 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 weren't born at Macy's. You know, they, you know, the the dyes probably from I don't know Nepal or from China, and the the buttons from Mexico, and the zippers maybe from Indonesia, and the the seamstresses from the Philippines, and on and on and on. Right, just the clothes you're wearing. Or the other things that we we take for granted, you know, just getting here, the roads that you drove on, or the the medicines that you take, or the glass in your spectacles, or the components of your watch, or the rubber from rubber groves in who knows where, Nicaragua, that go to make up this, the soles of your shoes. Or the people drilling oil in Alaska that ends up in your rain jacket. Right? We might despise oil production and the tar sands and all of that. And half our clothes these days are made of plastic, which comes from oil production, which we happily wear. So it ties us into things that we love, like nature, and things that we don't think are so beautiful. So in a way, everything that we have here, everything that we're wearing, that we're eating, in some ways took 14 billion years to create. Took the whole history of the universe to make your scarf, in a way or the granola that we had this morning. It's fresh, but it's also got some history to it. (laughs) And then reflecting on the love that we receive, the love that we have received. You know, I I remember when I first started practicing, I I moved into a retreat center, I was about 19, 20. And for whatever reason, I began to reflect on all the things that my parents had done for me and uh, was often overwhelmed with gratitude, with the love and the care. And I didn't have an ideal family situation, but it was, it was wonderful in many ways. And um, even if we've had a very traumatic and painful life, we wouldn't be here without the presence of love in our lives. There was some, some connection, some parent, grandparent, some friend. Gratitude for the Dharma, for the Sangha. You know, maybe you experienced a lot of that yesterday, just the appreciation of being able to be in community. You know, I have friends who live in places like Regina and Saskatchewan and you know, far-flung places where there's not a lot of community. And it's hard. It's hard when there's no sangha, no like-minded folks to, to be here with. Albert Schweitzer put it this way, he said, at times our own light goes out, at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who've lighted the flame within us. So it's lovely to think about the people who got you here. You know, what inspired you to get here? Teachers, friends, loved ones, 
Maybe they're pushing out the door. Go on retreat, go on retreat. <laughs> it's be good for you. But we can be thankful. Oh, yeah. And then to contact the Dharma, what a, what a blessing. I often think, what would, what, would you, what would my life be like if I hadn't had mindfulness practice and, and loving kindness practice and wisdom practices for the last 30 years? I'd be a mess, I know, I'm sure I would be. So how would that be for you if you didn't have these kind of, these supports, these ballasts for your, for your life? The meditation practices, the teachings, Awareness itself, this mysterious thing called awareness that we don't even see, touch, smell, taste, but allows everything to be, allows everything to be known, allows, allows a disidentification from entanglement with our stuff and our woes. What an amazing thing. So I like to practice gratitude for things that I don't normally uh, elicit, things that don't normally elicit gratitude. So I gave one example, farm, um, uh, oil companies. You know, what about pharmaceutical companies? We might also despise some of them for creating drugs that are, have a list of side effects as big as this room. Um, you know, but the, the the blessings that we receive from those things, or from people that from tarmac companies that build our roads. You know, after biking on that road for 15 years on a bumpy road, I appreciate the companies who pave the roads. You know? Or the uh, what about taxes? Anybody appreciate paying taxes? You know, I come from a country where. Uh, taxes um, create a, an amazing healthcare system, an education system. Uh, so to expand wider than than just our immediate experience. What other things might you despise about local law enforcement or the highway patrol? Or credit cards, people who work for Visa. You know, I don't know about you, but I normally pay for everything with a credit card. It comes in handy. Not so handy when you have a big debt to pay for them, but... So extending the, the sense of what's possible to feel some gratitude for. You know, not, not, lo- not losing one's discernment about, about the, the pros and the cons of things. And lastly, to reflect on uh, the expression of gratitude. I have this, li- this line on my refrigerator, it says, silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. I don't fully agree with that. I think silent gratitude is way better than no gratitude. But to express the gratitude has so much more impact and power. Of course, you can't do that much right now because you're in silence, but maybe at the end of the retreat, you can do a little... So I, I, I take that on as a practice too, to, to voice, to express appreciation. It's a beautiful thing to, to acknowledge, to see someone, to acknowledge an action, and to express that. A beautiful expression of the heart.
another, there's many, many outflows of these wholesome states of mind. Another, another outflow of, of uh, the state of gratitude is there's a sense of inner abundance and it more leads to generosity towards sharing, towards giving, towards giving back. I started hosting a, a generosity group, a generosity circle of friends. We gather and we talk about generosity and different projects we're involved in and practices and ways to inspire each other. And there's just been amazing stories that come out of that. Um, the, and the, the, the intertwining of gratitude and generosity is so, is so close in that group. So when, we, when, we, when our mind's oriented towards what's here, what we have, we're more likely to want to share, to want to give back. My friend was, wrote me a story the other day. She was uh, walking along um, down in Oakland where she lives and uh, she came across a homeless woman and they got into a conversation. She said, you know, it was a cold day, and she said, you know, hang around, I'll come back with a coat. And when she got back home, she realized she'd given all her coats away to all the other sh- the homeless shelters that, that she knows. Um, and, you know, went back and gave her something. But um, just, I was touched by that story. She's been cultivating this quality of generosity and gratitude for a while, and her life just expresses that. Just as a movement, it's beautiful. So, a couple other things before I close. Um, what would it be to 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 find gener- find um, gratitude for uh, the things that have caused and caused you adversity in your life? What would it be to 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 feel some appreciation for the struggle? and the pain and the suffering. Because when we do that, we orient towards it in a very different way. Rather than resistance and aversion and rejection, there's some possibility of, uh, how, can this, what, how can this inform me? How can this transform me? How can this help me open my heart? I don't know about you, but the times that I've struggled and uh, gone through difficult, painful states and times, most often the times that I've grown and stretched and wouldn't uh, have it be any other way now. Maybe at the time I would. But looking back, I wouldn't have it the other way because it really, you know, it's what's caused the heart to open, to be humble, to feel connection, to feel love. So even in the midst of difficulty and challenge, to see if there's any way that you can you can look at it, look at that situation from a sense of uh, appreciating what's possible, what the gift is in the struggle. So I'll close with a quote from Winnie the Pooh. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. So, just like ourselves, even though we have a very small heart, we can hold a lot of gratitude. So let's um, sit together. You can stretch if you need to stretch.
And as you sit, taking some moments to appreciate the presence of the body. simplicity of the breath. The ability to abide here in the silence. Stillness.
As we bring the meditation to a close, taking a moment to reflect on one thing in yourself that you feel gratitude for. person in your life that you feel gratitude towards. thing that you feel grateful for that you haven't expressed to somebody that you might do so after the retreat. <laughs> 